Today is a giveaway episode. Hey guys, thank you for tuning in to the Just Not Good Enough podcast. As per our title, Just Not Good Enough, I have to apologize. Because I was just not good enough in our last episode. In the last episode with Michaela McGee, I found out that the volume was too low, and I also found out that we had background noise. And you will find out today... The same problem happened again, but it was worse. I used the Apple headphones with the microphone attached to the cord, and unfortunately, it picked up everything. I'm talking, it picked up my dog, it picked up me shuffling my feet, it picked up me writing notes, tapping my pen, whatever it was, and I have to apologize. I have to apologize to you, the listener, because you'll hear it, and you'll be annoyed, like I was. But unfortunately, I can't fix it. So... Please bear with me, and every time you feel a little frustrated by hearing any tapping of the pen, a shuffling noise, anything like that, just remember I'm just not good enough. But I fixed it. So you are now listening to me on my new microphone. So with all that to say, please enjoy this podcast with none other than Reese Foy. He comes from the island of Hawaii. And he played college at Amherst, which is a Division III school. And he is now a professional athlete in Japan's professional American Football League. Before we get started, I have a little disclaimer. If you are listening to this podcast with children, I will be pausing the podcast and letting you know when to tell them to stop listening, to cover their ears, to go into the other room. Because Reese and I will be discussing a mature matter, and it's something that Reese is very passionately against. This topic will be discussed in a very vague detail. However, we will be discussing it, and I do believe it is inappropriate for children. So as the parent in the room, as the guardian, as just an authority figure that is near children, I highly recommend that you pause this podcast when I tell you to and make sure that they are out of the room and they cannot hear what we are discussing. So without further ado, I now introduce to you, Reese Foy. Yeah, how are we doing? Aloha, my name is Reese Owen Kai Foy. Uh, in case you couldn't <laughs> tell, I was born in Honolulu, Hawaii. Yeah, can I get a chihu out there if you're listening on this podcast? Um, I actually am currently uh, a starting quarterback uh, in Japan's American Football League, also known as the X-League or the X-League Super out here. Uh, formerly, I worked four years in collegiate ministry and also was a uh, pastor in Los Angeles, California. So um, happy to be on the podcast, Mickey, and thanks for having me. No worries, dude. I'm so stoked to have you on. I have seen you play in college. I have seen you practice for the pros, dude, and I'm so stoked to see you just perform out there in Tokyo. So if you're willing, I'm wanting to do some rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. Favorite movie? Iron Monkey. All right. Come on, not, baby. Let's go. Say, not many people say that, but I like that. All right. <laughs> favorite music? Uh, I would have to go probably with obviously uh, Maverick City Music is one of my favorite worship bands. Okay. Or just good old Hawaiian music, baby. Back on the Rock, Island 98.5. Uh, oh. one of the <laughs> stations back then. Oh, man. Augie T, dude. I'm trying to get him to go. go on this podcast, bro. Augie T was the best. And then speaking of which, I don't know if I told you, but I got Johnny Sweet coming on pretty soon. He's the one that hey, does yeah, thank you. Yeah. 
he's yeah, dope, dude, bro. I'm he's so, dope. Yeah. I'm so stoked about he's that. He's got right. engaged. Um, he's a great brother. Yeah, we, yeah. we know each other too. Anyways, bro, favorite song. Favorite song. Wow. Um, great question. I am going to have to say Head Over Boots, primarily because that was the first song that my wife and I danced to at our wedding or changing it up, It Girl. Um, I danced to It Girl for my wife as a surprise dance at our wedding. So those two for <laughs> me are kind of fun memories. Yeah, that's beautiful, man. I would love to see a video of that for sure. Favorite actor or actress or both? Not good at the actor-actress game living in LA. I was actually perfect for that because there'd be someone next to me who was famous and I'd be like, I don't know who you are. What's up? I, like literally <laughs> never, never knew. But um, one that comes to mind primarily because I just finished reading his book, Green Lights, is Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, I really want to read that book, man. I heard it was great. Solid read. Solid read. Uh, most inspirational quote you know or like to repeat to yourself? Uh, again, not a great quote guy. I let down a lot of people with quote <laughs> I apologize. Um, however, though, I am a big Bible guy. I do believe in Jesus. I do love the Lord. Uh, my life verse, I would say, is probably James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4 which says, consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, when you endure trials of various kinds, for know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance, and let perseverance take its complete course so that you may be complete and whole, lacking in nothing. So I think James chapter one, verses two through four would be kind of my life quote or verse, if you would. Well, awesome, man. We're totally going to use that in the questions to come for sure, because when people feel like they're just not good enough, man. It's hard mm -hmm. to think that there's a purpose and a prize at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Last last question. Who is a person in your life that is most inspirational that made you to who you are today? Um, it can be family, friend, someone that just inspired you to be who you are. Yeah, 100 uh, percent. Oh, there's a lot of people, obviously, for that. So I can think of my parents, I can think of my wife, I can think of my brother, my sister. Uh, this has always been a, a, a dear, dear place in my heart. It's been my, actually, in Hawaii, we call our grandmothers our tutus. So Tutu Hannah was her name. She was a native Hawaiian side of our family. She actually was a, the, the matriarch who actually brought my entire family to faith. She lived with us for the majority of my life. Um, and she was a kind of woman who you'd walk into a room and, and it would change. Like her presence, her joy, her smile. I remember when she was in her 80s and 90s at my house, when stuff would go bad, we would turn to her. Not because she would say some profound thing or she had money to make it, but she just was that presence that would just hold, quite literally, figuratively and literally hold us. We yeah. would cry, we would pray. We would just, it was just the presence that she had in the room. Um, and so, uh, yeah, actually I have a, a tribal tattoo and it. it's my whole family, but at the top of it's actually my tutu, my tutu Hannah, as she was kind of the one that looked over our family that brought us to faith. And um, definitely, I think, one of my best friends. And um, to this day, I, I miss her every day. Oh, man, I can imagine. For those who are listening that don't know about the Hawaiian culture is many families actually have a um, matriarch, someone that is kind of head of the household. But like Reese was saying, it's not so much for um, words of wisdom or anything. It's just that presence. It's that almost authority figure. It's that whatever they say kind of goes. And it's it's a beautiful thing when it's done in a right way. It's it's very it's very meaningful and very very beautiful, I guess, is the best way to put it. Aloha means something to me. I know we spoke about it before we started the podcast. For me, my motto is just to love people. Aloha is uh, a way that you can love people and you can spread love. And I know that with me personally experiencing aloha in different ways, shapes, or forms, I like to give aloha as well. Can you tell us what aloha means to you? 
Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, so the, 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 the literal meaning of ha is actually breath. So um, you can think of it almost as breath of life. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's a kind of the, the, the common kind of used phrase for love is definitely love. Um, actually, it's, uh, it's funny. My wife and I were talking today and, and the word kealoha in Hawaiian actually means the one who is loved. Um, and so, yeah, love is definitely part of aloha. I commonly, when I'm talking about aloha with some friends, will think of it almost as the Holy Spirit. So it's this belief, feeling, communal thing that comes together to love, to hold, to empower, uh, to give life to communities. Mm-hmm. And so the same way for me in my faith, um, which is Christianity, that God breathes life into his people, I see aloha kind of being the way of the Hawaiian culture that breathes life not only into our own people, but into the people who come to our islands, who come to know us, who get to know the Hawaiian culture. So yeah, aloha is a definitely a, a powerful word, I think, even beyond it being a former airlines, <laughs> beyond it being a tagline and so many Hawaiian things. There's, there's a lot deeper meaning uh, behind that as well. Yeah, I totally respect that. And that definition of it really carries a very big weight with me, I know. With my time in Hawaii and my time just throughout life is a lot of people that claim aloha don't normally show aloha. And it's hard to be that one person that shows aloha because my, my whole goal is I just want to love people back to life. Whatever yeah. way, shape, form that looks, my purpose is I just want to leave you better than what you were. And if you were yeah. great to begin with, then I left you in a greater way. Yeah. And yeah. it's hard. It's so hard. But I love that. That's what you do, man. That's what you're a part of. Can you uh, tell us how you got started in becoming a professional athlete in Japan? What got you to where you are today? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I guess the only question I'd have is how far back do you want me to go? (laughs) Well, if it has anything to do with our main question, uh, when in life did you feel like you were just not good enough? Then you can totally key that in. Cool. cool. Well, yeah, I mean, I I do think they go kind of hand in hand. Um, just to circle back real quick, you said earlier about aloha. There are people who kind of claim Hawaiian or, or claim aloha, but don't always live it. I, I made a link earlier between Christianity and the aloha spirit. And I think, unfortunately, in my faith, it's the same that goes for that. And so I, I, I like to own the faith. And so I think just to anyone who's listening out there who maybe has been hurt by Christianity or by Christians, in, in a sense, just wanted to say, hey, like, I, I'm sorry. Um, and the same way that you said about aloha, there are people who claim to be Christian who don't actually live the life that God has instructed us to live, who don't love people well. And um, God, God loves those people, but we are imperfect creations who have misrepresented God's love for those people as well. So if that's you, and if you have felt just not good enough because of the way that perhaps even the Christian has treated you, I just want to, I see you, I hear you and I empathize with you. And it's funny because the the just not good enough theme uh, in my life, I'm currently a professional athlete. Um, I'm a quarterback. Uh, despite uh, probably most of you having assumptions of what that means about my height and weight. Um, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a generous 5'10", uh, 180, 185 professional quarterback. Um, and I think growing up, I always played quarterback from the time I was five years old. And so I had to get through this mindset of being just not good enough many times. You asked, you know, kind of when the journey started to me coming to this point. Well, in eighth grade, I remember – uh, in middle school, I was playing football. I was the quarterback, and I was battling out with a, a ninth grader, and I felt I was better than him. Uh, we had we we're coming off a couple, at least a couple of undefeated seasons at the time. Uh, I didn't get the starting job, and for the first time, we had a 
a non-championship, non-undefeated season. Um, and that was a, a, a bummer for me. The primary dis, uh, difference was I was at that time, however short I was, whatever, five, 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 four, <laughs> a buck 20 maybe. And he was six feet, 220, six feet, 200. He was a, your prototypical, if you would, quarterback. Mm-hmm. Um, the next year, I was a starting quarterback because he moved up to the varsity team. And uh, in my high school at the time, freshmen were not allowed to play varsity. And I remember the, the following year, we were undefeated again. By half of most games, he scored 35 points. And I only played the whole game in two of our games. And so that was my mm. first – the first time that just – I wasn't good enough, not because of my performance, but because I didn't pass the eye test. Mm. Um, and, and, you know, that happened then on varsity the following year. I come off this crazy season, barely playing, dominating, and go to varsity. The same guy's up there again. And now he's a junior and I'm a sophomore. And there's another competitor as well who's my age. And I beat him out last year. But they're both six feet. One was a collegiate linebacker. Another one uh, ended up playing varsity linebacker and D-line. So they're bigger dudes. Mm-hmm. We battled it out. In the preseason, I'm not necessarily named the starter yet. Um, I end up having a breakout performance that, that gets me the starting role. We end up going, becoming state champions that year uh, in the state of Hawaii for varsity football. I become all-state quarterback um, by my, so- my sophomore year. By the time I'm a, a, a senior, I was Gatorade Player of the Year. I hold the most touchdown, uh, the record for the most touchdown passes in a Division Two, our lower division championship yeah. game, all these things. But I, I never really got the nod because I was, again, my, my, my sophomore year, I was 5'8", a buck 45, competing against mm. these bigger dudes. And so always this theme of, oh, he's not good enough because he's, he's too small. And, again, just to belabor the point, because I think oftentimes in life uh, – some of these things come back to haunt us. It might feel like, like, wow, this same thing that I wasn't good enough before is now showing up in my life again. And we don't know how to, what to do with that. And obviously went to college, player of the year, um, doing all these things. And I always joke, I was sandwiched between Marcus Mariota and Tua Tonga Bailoa, um, <laughs> two guys who I know, two guys who are friends. I trained with both of them in high school. I trained with Marcus my sophomore year and I helped to train Tua when he was coming up. Um, I was sandwiched between them. You know, Mackenzie Milton was another one. They all are household names, went to play big-time football. And I had to scratch and claw my way to get a Division I AA scholarship um, at the University of San Diego. And just, it's just, you know, same same story there again. It was smaller than our quarterback, blah, mm-hmm. blah, blah, all this stuff. Balled out in the spring game. Ended up transferring because I had a vision from God. But it was the same thing. I go to D3 college after that. Win the starting job as a true freshman there because I, I ended up uh, redshirting at San Diego or gray shirting rather at San Diego. Win the starting job from a three-year starter. And then by in week four, wasn't playing great. Mm-hmm. Get benched at halftime. He balls out. He's 6'5", 220. I'm 5'10", 180. He ends up getting a starting job, you know, whatever. Rest of the season. All these guys I competed with are all great guys. I love them to death. Not a shot against them at all. But it has been this perpetual cycle of me just being not big enough, not good enough. Always a size factor as a quarterback that was taken into account. You know, there's more of the story there. But I think that would be some of the, at least in my sports career, one of the largest things where coaches primarily not believing in me and saying, you're just not, you, you, just, you just don't fit the mold. You know, you just don't fit the mold. Um, there's guys yeah. like Kyler Murray now. You know, Drew Brees helped. You know, th- th- there are, there's a new, a new age of quarterback coming in. But we all know the NFL draft. If, if a guy's 6'4", 220, or 5'10", 185, nine times out of ten, they're going to pick the bigger guy, no matter how good or bad their actual performance is. Yeah, and what's what's the saying? You can teach talent. You can't teach size. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's 
Hey, man, I, I totally agree. I totally understand. I've, I've always joked, yeah. Or I heard friends who have joked about it. I've always joked, if I was 6'2", 6'3", I'd be in the NFL. Yeah, That's yeah. My, my joke with my friends. So, But yeah, I, also to say, also to say, that's not a guarantee. Obviously, you know, <laughs> to be in the NFL takes a tremendous amount of hard work and talent. And um, certainly, I'm, I'm not in the NFL for a reason aside from my size. That's not, it's not to say it's a shoe-in, but it's a joke that some of my friends and I would throw around. I do know that in your life, you were injured. And that injury played a big part in your life yeah and i know that injury also made you feel like you were just not good enough so with everything we've talked about thus far how did you overcome those feelings of overcoming your injury overcoming suicidal thoughts overcoming just allowing just not good enough to destroy you mentally spiritually emotionally um can't say physically you're still looking like you're in top shape. <laughs> um, it was a journey. Yeah. So go ahead, man, yeah. explain explain it. It's actually a crazy segue because I, I kind of left off my freshman year winning that job. Sophomore year came back, um, you know, to Amherst College where I ended up graduating from. We went undefeated 8-0 and uh, my sophomore year. I started every game. I was, um, you know, all league. Going into my junior year, um, I am leaving for college camp the next day and I have a fluke accident where I'm uh, running at my high school football field and I fully tear my ACL. One of the crazier things to the story though is that about roughly a month earlier I had kind of asked my now wife uh, to be my girlfriend. Uh, We had spent a summer together I kind of got to know her and long story short she rejected me. And it was funny because I remember in that moment, I was driving home, tears streaming down my face. I felt like the Lord had told me that that was the time to tell her. So I was like, God, why would you tell me to tell her so that I could get rejected? Like that mm-hmm. concept of God being good, but I listened in obedience and then got rejected. It, it didn't make sense to me in the moment. But I remember telling him, Lord, I don't always have to understand why you do what you do. But I do have to always believe that your character is unchanging. So I believe that. For some reason, this has happened. And I don't know what the reason is, but for some reason it happened. Fast forward a month later, as much as I cared for that woman at the time, now she's my wife. So that's my, my care level has increased a billion percent. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The moment I knew her summer. I asked my girlfriend. It wouldn't have been the end of the world. Losing football was a much bigger loss than being rejected by a girl at that time in my life. And I had played that sport my whole life. had never had an ACL injury, ever. Never had a season-ending injury. So the first time in my life, coming off an undefeated season, I was a preseason All-American. I was talking to my quarterback coach who ended up going to Harvard, actually. And when he left, he said, go and be the greatest quarterback that this school has ever known. Um, and we are, one, we, are the, we have the oldest rivalry in Division Three football. Oh, and wow. a top, top five rivalry, I believe, in longest – tenured rivalries in college football ESPN college college game day has come out to cover our game it's been around for a hundred I want to say 50 years or something like that of of game it's some ridiculous you know rivalry but the fact that my coach told me go be the greatest quarterback that we've ever seen at all these expectations I tore my ACL and it was was, was crushing and I remember thinking back to the moment that I got rejected and thinking Lord you are helping my soul to be able to prepare for this moment because if I had just turned my ACL and lost everything, I wouldn't have been able to, to cope with the trauma and the pain. But I had a month earlier gone through something to admittingly a lighter degree, 
but nonetheless, something that still was really painful for me to experience. And it felt almost as though the Lord was allowing me to feel that pain, knowing that there was a greater pain coming. Um, and yeah, that was a really hard season for the, we, we, we didn't go undefeated. We had our first non-winning season in a long time in college and I didn't get to play a snap. Mm-hmm. But I remember telling the Lord, am I the same person that I was before the injury now that I am injured? It's really easy for everyone to say God is good. Or if you don't believe in God, life is good. Yeah. Is going your way. But when, when, you know, things begin to crumble, are you the same person or does your identity begin to change? And so for me, understanding that I wasn't good enough to the world. I wasn't good enough to my team. I wasn't good enough to these people. But for me and my faith, my God still looked at me and said, I am loved and you are good enough, not because you threw touchdown passes or because you went undefeated or because the women love you, but you're good enough because I said you are, Mm because I created you, because I know you, and because I chose to die for you. That was kind of what was able to hold me together in that season. I know know it's always a journey and it's always tough, but you seem to be able to understand what you're were feeling at the time and how to like overcome it. And I know you have faith. Other people may not. My question to you is, is if you were to talk to your younger self of what you know now, and obviously hindsight is always, you know, better than what it was going through the process. If you were to talk to yourself back then or someone that is going to go through it now, what is something that you would tell them either um, Christian or not, doesn't matter. What, what advice would you give them knowing that you've already been through it and they feel like if they haven't gone through it, they will feel like that they're all alone. They're the only one that deals with this. They're the only one that has to overcome this and no one understands them. What's something that you would tell them or how would you yeah. tell your younger self? You know, that, that's a really difficult question for me to think about in light of my younger self because I'm, I am one of those people who does believe that the things that we go across in life can be used for our good. Um, I'm not, I'm not someone that believes that everything that happens in life is good. No, I think there's, there's real pain, real brokenness. We don't have to look really far in today's world. To be like, wow, that's messed up. So yeah, it's a hard question for me to answer, honestly, but the, the, to myself, the honest answer would be to just continue to believe. And mm-hmm. I don't mean that in a cliche way of like, believe that everything good is going to happen, but, in a real sense, when like life sucks, it's so easy for us, whether we're, we're a believer or not, to like doubt, if you would. So maybe you were like, yeah, I'm going to get the promotion. I'm going to become this manager or, or my, my fiance and I are going to come to this place or I'm going to win this position. And you operate with such belief around that thing and then it doesn't happen or mm-hmm. something fancy from happening. And all of a sudden we have a tendency as humans to the spiral into this, this realm of negativity. To some extent, the things that we experience in life help to shape us and we can use those opportunities to shape us for better. But I would say, hey bro, like just, just continue to believe. And so for myself, it would be not just like believe in God for myself, but to like live it out, you know? Like people look at God as like this all knowing, all good. Like if he's so good, why do bad things happen kind of, kind of guy? And I'm like, because we live in a broken world. Because God yeah. didn't make me a robot. It's really easy for someone to say, if he's good, like he should have made us all robots. But if I was really controlled, my, if ev- my every thought movement was controlled, that wouldn't be freedom. That wouldn't be someone that loved me. And yeah. so I think to believe and to, to, to live out that faith. I see a lot of people that like, again, faith apart. They say they're going to do something, 
but their actions rarely match what they say they're going to do or, or who they say they want to be. And so I would say aligning those two things, um, believe what you thought you were going to believe and actually live by those things and do those things would be the advice that I'd give to anybody, myself younger or anybody going through it right now is like, don't let the, don't let the moment be the thing that crushes your belief. We interrupt this episode of the Just Not Good Enough podcast to hear a note from our sponsor. Today's sponsor is Halle Coaching Company. Because you're listening to today's episode, if you follow both the Just Not Good Enough podcast and Halle Coaching Company on Instagram, you will be entered to win a free world-renowned Clifton Strengths assessment and one hour of individual strengths coaching from Gallup Certified Coach Sarah Foy valued at $250. This personalized coaching call will grow you in your understanding of your own strengths and how to uniquely maximize them in your personal and professional life. Moving forward starts with looking inward and Holly Coaching Company can help with that. Don't forget to follow both the Just Not Good Enough podcast and Holly Coaching Company on Instagram for your chance to win. Winners will be chosen one week after this episode airs. Thanks for listening. Would be the advice that I'd give to anybody, myself younger or anybody going through it right now is like, don't let the, don't let the moment be the thing that crushes your belief. With all that you've been through, um, the way you believe, the way you carry yourself, now being a quarterback for the Tokyo Gas Creators, how do you bring that to your team? And for those who don't know, in the Japanese Football League, correct me if I'm wrong, Reese, only four internationals are allowed to be there. This is correct. Per team. Yeah, per team. Per team. Per team. Yeah. So four internationals per, t- per team. Um, I do know a lot of Japanese people do speak English. I do know there's also a cultural barrier between America and Japan. Um, how do you bring everything that you've been through, your leadership, you being the quarterback and the token leader of the team? How do you communicate with your teammates? How do you let them know that you're there for them? Uh, through thick and thin. I've seen some of your reels. I've seen some of your videos on Instagram. You seem like a very encouraging person to your teammates, even if they may or may not understand you. Can you uh, explain that process and everything that goes along with that? Yeah, well, uh, I think just just to even circle back to the just not good enough theme. This is hilarious, dude. So I'm playing with the Tokyo Gas Creators. We are not the best team in the league. Uh, we have never historically won this league. So we, we won the lower division. Mm-hmm. And that actually bumped us up three years ago to what is now the X League Super. So we, we have been kind of the, the middle fish in the big pond, if you would. There's some teams who we've historically beaten. But for the majority, there are some big dogs up here. Yeah. Uh, um, I, IBM? I, yeah. The big blue. Yeah. Uh, IBM, I would say, is a top four team un- undisputedly. Yeah. But historically, it's been a team called Fujitsu. Uh, we mm-hmm. all know Fujitsu as a company yeah. of Frontiers. A team called Obix Seagulls a team called the Panasonic, we all know Panasonic, Panasonic mm-hmm. Impulse, and then the IBM Big Blue. So those four teams historically have been really solid. And so it's hilarious I'm talking about Believe, but literally what I tell my team is Shinjite. And okay. Shinjite in Japanese means we have to believe. And there's, there's a belief in our culture of our team that we're just not good enough. There's a belief in our culture and our team that if we just are above 500, that's, that's, that's great. You know, let's just be above 500 this year. There's absolutely no belief that we can beat these top dogs. And mm-hmm. I say that with the most grace that I can because I love my teammates. 
But when you're told for so long that you can't do something, you begin to believe what you're told. Yeah. And they've been told for so long that they can't. And obviously the, the teams in power, like there are in any hierarchical society, whoever's in power wants to keep the people that are not in power that way. So mm-hmm. in our football example, those big teams keep on telling our team, yeah, you can't beat us. Why would you ever believe that you can beat us? Right. And sometimes even in society, there are principalities in power that tell us, yeah, you, you can't do that. Why would you believe that you could do that? You know, you, you person of color, you uneducated person, you insert whatever negative, ter- negative stereotype you want. Of course you can't do that. Why would you believe yeah. that you could do that thing? And so for me, it's, I'm not lying. My motto with my team are, are two things that I tell them. Shinjite, which is believe. And the second thing is Ohana. So kind of my two cultural backgrounds, my dad's born in Japan um, and my mom's house from Hawaii coming together. I say, guys, we got to believe and we have to be family. And so being yeah. family means when stuff hits the fan, because we are not the big dogs in the league and we're going to have some rough times, are we going to fracture or are our roots going to go deeper? And um, that's kind of the thing that's, that I have led with here um, in Japan. And I have seen just in the at least the mental space of our team, huge improvements. And um, it's been a joy, such a joy to be able to walk with these guys and play with these guys and love these guys out here. Yeah, yeah, man. Um, from what I know about the X League and Japanese football, and I'm going to let anybody that's listening also know that it is a it is also a cultural diversity melting uh, pot, but it's also a talent melting pot. You got people that just picked up a football yesterday all the way up to people that played in the NFL. So that includes NFL, the Canadian Football League, which is the second highest uh, football league in the world. And I would say J- Japan is a pretty close third. Um, yeah, I mean, from what I know, we have been regarded as the, the top team, the top league outside of the Americas, if you would. It's been widely agreed upon that Japan, and like you said, you got guys, you know, I'll, I'll shout them out right now. Paul Boyette played at UT and then was on the Denver Broncos. You got yeah. guys like uh, David Pindell, who went to UConn and then had a short little NFL stint. You know, on our team alone, you have a guy named Kawana Apelu, captain at Oregon, and then played in the CFL for a little while. You got a guy um, named Kanavai Noah, who's the the leading receiver all time in the state of Hawaii, and then play, played at Nebraska. Like, there are straight up dogs in this league. I could I could read the list of names. We got guys from Washington, um, you know, like I said, Nebraska, Oregon, Yukon, Texas, um, Boise State. So there's there's some dogs in this league, man, and um, that's just part of it. You know, it's part of yeah. it. And, and most of the guys in Japan actually have – they're really good at football, bro. It's it's The talent in Japan has blown me away, and a lot, of, a lot of you guys have been playing since college. Actually, all of them played in college. The difference, I would say, is uh, the exposure to coaching that, they're, that they have. The talent level is, is different, but it's not, it's not, that's not the biggest gap. The biggest gap is kind of the way that they've been coached to play – but if you, if you watch them bench, run, squat, jump, cut, they, there's a lot of skill. And that's what separates the best teams here is um, just not so much coaches in and of themselves, but even how much exposure the, those coaches have had to the mm-hmm. game um, really affects kind of the, the levels out here. Yeah, I, um, like I said, I've done a lot of research about the Japanese Football League. And I'm not sure if, it's, if it is as prevalent as it is today, uh, today but I know in the, uh, back in 2015, 2010, a lot of the professional athletes in the Japanese Football League also work for the team that they are playing for. So it would be a common work day. Then after work, they would go to practice. 
And I do know that the star athletes, some of the um, international import players, wouldn't have to necessarily work, but a lot of them work. Do uh, Does your team, do they work for the company as well? Yeah, so it's changed a little bit, but you're, but you're still generally definitely correct around it. So to my knowledge, none of the professional athletes here work in terms of the import players. Okay. So all of us from the States or from Europe, wherever we are, we're, we're all paid a salary to play football out here. The majority of guys that play here in Japan work for that company. So I'd say about 80% of my teammates are Tokyo Gas employees, with about 20% not being that. Again, there's levels to access out here, like I said. So some of these better teams are able to afford to pay their Japanese players where their Japanese players don't have to work. Mm -hmm. Um, They can just play football. And I won't, you know, I I don't want to maybe give away too many secrets, not about my team, but there's also, (laughs) there's a team in the league whose company allows uh, their entire team to have a day off of work. So they work for that company, Mm. but they're the only company that says on this day, you don't have to come to work. You can just be a professional athlete. And so that team has a lot more training, a lot more coaching, a lot more time to just practice football because our guys are coming after work. Those guys have a whole day that we don't have with our teammates and it, it definitely shows they are one of the top four teams. And it's no surprise why, because they have, again, just more access. And yeah. Availability. So what was the reception like from you having the career you did in football to people realizing that and you being on the team? Was there an open arm um, type of reception for you? Or was it kind of hesitation and um, kind of the feeling of just not being good enough put upon you? They're like, uh, who's this Reese guy? You know, what does he know? He didn't play well or, you know, stuff like that. Yeah, I think it's been a little bit of a both end. I would say primarily from my teammates, though, absolutely a warm welcome. You know, I've been helped a lot where one of my best friends out here, his name is Yuya Kato. He's mm-hmm. in year four in the league. I played with him in high school. We grew up together and he's always been an advocate for me. So I've been offered a couple times out here. Uh, he's always kind of advocated for me in the league. So when I showed up, He's on my team. He had kind of, he had really put in a good word for me and that really helped to smooth over the process for me. I think more so than for my teammates, when you just look at the roster of guys who are in this league, like I said, you got Texas, Washington, Boise State, um, UC Davis, University of San Diego, Nebraska, Oregon, and then you got Reese Foy, Amherst College, Division Three. <laughs> I think um, every single quarterback in this league is from a big time school. There's that temptation for me to be like, man, I'm just not good enough. But because that's been such a big part of my story always, I've always been overlooked. I've always been undersized. I, I now, going back to James chapter one, verses two through four, it kind of like lights that fire in me. I'm yeah. like, yeah, baby, let them say that about me. Let them chirp. Like there are media outlets out here who are all about covering the other guys who just came into the league. And they don't even, they, they have no interest in covering a small D3 quarterback. Praise God, bro. Praise God. I love that because I don't want you to tell me how good I am. I, I want to be able to say, yeah, you can think I'm nothing. And actually, I am nothing. But this God behind me, he's something. And when you can see what he can do and the way that, that he works through me, like that's going to be the reflection of not my glory, but his glory. And so, yeah. Uh, I, yeah, you know, there, there is that temptation. But because it's been such a big part of my story, I now use it for fire and for fuel to know that it's actually going to be worked out the way that the Lord wants it to be. Exactly. And it also gives you 
more of a time to focus on you and football and everything else that um, the bigger people don't have that opportunity because they're always getting hounded by reporters. They're always having the microscope put onto them. And a lot of times it's really good to be the underestimated player, the player that nobody really is looking at. And then you can come out and outshine. Um, I think that's, I, I think that's really good um, from what I know about you and I know how you lead is it's, it's something that I think, I've seen it in your videos. I've seen it on the other Instagrams of the players of your teammates is that they really do appreciate your leadership style, what you bring to the table. And I think it's going to be an exciting year for you, man. Um, kind of segueing into you being out there, but also being from your past. What is something off the field out in Japan? Are you focusing on right now? Like, is there um, a nonprofit you're trying to be a part of? Is there, something that you like what's something that drives you out in japan and then i'm also going to ask you a question now but you can talk about it as well is what's something that you're passionate about that's something that you think that either needs to change or something that um drives you as we were talking about your um clothing choices and yeah. stuff like that so if you want to explain yeah that. well i think you know first and foremost for me even above football out here is just being a good husband mm -hmm. um and i think you know just not good enough i thought i was a good dude before I got married. <laughs> then I got married and a lot of my flaws were exposed. And and there have been times when I've been like, man, I am a bad husband. I'm a bad person. Praise God for his grace, right? And I don't mean mm -hmm. that in a self-deprecating way. I mean it in the sense that you love someone so much, yet there are still moments where you treat them in ways that you wish you never did, yeah. right? And, and I think that's the reality of, of marriage. It's not talked about enough, especially not in the Christian circle. But man, marriage is hard, yo. If you're listening to this, just know that like marriage is hard. And there are times when you're not going to feel good enough, but you're in that marriage for a reason. And there's always tomorrow. And the, the biggest thing to say is just, I'm sorry, honestly. Yeah. And, and to look at the ways that, that you can be a better husband or a better wife. And so I think, you know, that's, that's my main thing always in life, no matter where I was when I was in ministry. And now that I'm playing quarterback, it's, it's my wife and trying to be the best husband that I can be. Uh, the second thing I'd say that I'm excited to be out here for is my dad's born in Japan. So Two weeks ago, I found my family grave out here in Japan. Wow. And I contacted uh, the monk who oversaw the, the, the grave. And I got my family's contact number that my family in Hawaii hadn't had for the past two decades. And wow. now I've been having my teammates help me to call because I don't speak Japanese fluently, but they do. And so I, I, I haven't answered yet, but I'm having my teammates sit with me and call, hoping that my relative will answer and I can set up a meeting to get to know them. So for me... Reconnecting with my culture is huge out here in Japan. And again, man, it's no secret for me. Everything that I do is because the Lord has loved me when I was undeserving of it. That, that, mm. that I am a nobody. I, I am honestly, I'm not good enough. But through God's grace and his kindness and through the power that comes through the resurrection of Jesus, I now have a chance to be able to live in abundant blessing. And not financial blessing. I mean, there's that. But blessed in so many ways, even beyond finances. And so... I want my teammates to have the opportunity and my friends here in Japan to have the opportunity to know that if they feel like they're just not good enough or if they're going through a, a dark moment in life, that there is someone who knows them and loves them. So I'd say, you know, my wife, my family, and honestly making sure that people know that there is a greater hope and a greater love for them out there is, is a big part of why I'm here um, in Japan specifically. And for me, it's, it's about following God's story, man. I mean, I felt called to be out here it could be 20 years and it could be one, right? Yeah. I don't get to write this story. Uh, I'm following him and we'll see 
we'll see where it leads, but that's at least what's on my radar right now. All right. Yeah, man, that's, that's awesome. I do know that, uh, being a professional athlete, you are surrounded by your teammates a lot. So it's able to, it's, it's wonderful to be able to speak life into them and for them to speak life into you. Cause I know they're teaching you a lot of things that oh, yeah. you're so shocked and surprised for. Um, and that's, I think that's the wonderful thing about culture. It's the wonderful thing about diversity is that it's, it's welcomed. It's, um, it's so great to be able to experience other people's culture and also your culture. Cause it's half your culture um, and get to be part of that. And I, I don't know, man, I just think that's amazing. It's something that I'm very passionate about is a uh, culture diversity, yeah. learning what other people, what, what makes other people tick, let alone learning that culture as we yeah. talked about before yeah. we uh, started this episode as well. Hey guys. So this is the part of the podcast that I was discussing about in the beginning. We were about to discuss some very mature matters. And this is like PG-13 or NC-17 type stuff. We do try to be a little vague in the matter, only because we don't want to get into the very gruesome, excruciating type details. So, if any children are around, I do ask that they stop listening right now. And they can listen later, just let them skip this segment. So please, be responsible. And check your surroundings and make sure that nobody that this may be deemed inappropriate for is listening. Um, I do know we talked about uh, pornography. Um, Mm -hmm. I do know that it's something that you were an advocate against. And Mm -hmm. um, if you feel free, do you want to talk about it? And um, what makes you so passionate um, uh, against uh, pornography and how society is kind of against you in that because i as you can you can see as i can see is society's trying to make pornography such a um norm that it's kind of scary yeah yeah 100 I, I appreciate that and uh you know yeah you don't have to look far on my instagram and, I, and I'll, I'll talk about pornography honestly i have a story highlight about pornography i think for me if i could change one thing in the world it would be to stop porn um and my primary one of my primary i mean there's so many reasons but the majority of women who are in the pornography business, the majority of them are there against their will. Um, you know, we talked about this earlier, but I try to buy clothes that are only sustainably and ethically made because the majority of women who are sex trafficked in the world, and it's millions of women, like we think that it's like not happening today, that we live in some, some good 21st century. No, it's just covered up. You know, just to get on a little bit of a rant here, the pornography industry is a wealthier industry than every single major sport in America combined. So if you take the total revenue of the NBA, the NFL, and the MLB, that is a smaller industry combined than that of the pornography industry. So the amount of money that goes into covering this stuff up, bro, is insane, right? And so you have these women who are being trafficked, who are then being manipulated mentally. And again, talking about being just not good enough, like, we have all been in situations where we have done things against our will because we've been coerced, peer pressured. But imagine that times 10 billion. We're literally, if you want to eat, if you want to sleep, if you want to live, you have to listen to me. And you begin to believe that I do own you, that I do possess you, right? That pimps quite literally will tattoo and brand, right? Women who they sex traffic to say, you are literally my possession. I own you. And then to have that become a part of the culture, I think it's a common misconception that I can watch pornography and it's only hurting me. Right. If, if that were the case, I'd be passionate about it. I would care, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't fight for it like I do. The reality is that when you watch pornography, you're programming your mind 
to begin to think that is how normal interactions should happen, right? There's mm. been a rise in pornography over the last two decades, but especially the last decade of sexual violence increasing in children, sexual mm. violence increasing in 12-year-olds, 13-year-olds, 14-year-olds. But these people, when I was first shown porn, I was 12 years old. And I was shown it because someone else had told me to watch it, right? I remember in high school, some old upperclassmen sat me down and made me watch porn in front of them. So wow. I, you've taken these things, right? And you're beginning to think, that's how I should treat a woman, right? I should. And, you know, I apologize in advance if you're listening to this, um, just to, I'm going to keep it on, I'm, I'm going to keep it as polite as I can, but there are actions that men are, do in pornography, such as choking or holding mm -hmm. or, right, kind of demonstrating some sort of some power over someone physically that we think, oh, that's how I should be treating people, right? I should do that because that's what I'm learning to do on screen. And that affects not the way that we just only physically treat people, but the way that we think about them. We're not meant to love people that way. We're not being them as an equal to us, right? And so that just extrapolating over and over, there's a podcast actually with the New York Times that came out a year and a half ago, two years now. There are so many child abuse and child sex cases that happen that are reported to the FBI, that the FBI can only focus on cases that are of children one years old or less. Wow. There are so many cases reported of children being less than 10 years old, being raped, being forced to film themselves on, on camera, being raped by men, right, or women, that there are so many cases, the FBI can only focus on cases that are, I believe it was, from the time you're born until being one years old. They're overwhelmed with anything else and they have to choose the most vulnerable. So that is who they choose. That's the population that they can focus on. Like that kind of stuff breaks my heart. Yeah. And so I'm not on my heart. I'm not trying to tell people like, don't watch porn because you're bad. No, it's think about the effects your action have on so many people, right? If someone were to tell you, hey, by supporting this industry, you would cause, you'd be part of supporting the possible rape of a five-year-old, of your daughter. You'd be part of supporting an industry that sex traffics women, millions of women across the globe. You'd be part of supporting, you know, those movies that show pimps on screen when they're literally driving girls to hotels, having them get paid for sex and then have to come back to the car and give the pimp their sex to over again. You would be part of supporting that. I don't think that people would say, yeah, I want to do that. Yeah. I, I believe in humanity. I believe in that aspect, at least of humanity to say, yeah, maybe if we just like educated a little bit more and had a little more awareness around this thing, we would stop. So that's why I'm so vocal about it. Not because I'm better than people, right? I just told you I watched pornography in college. It was one of the biggest things that I fought, right? And praise God that I have been able to, to grow an awareness and be able to resist that. But I'm not better than anybody. I've been there. And it was through awareness and really through forgiving myself for what I had done. And then being able to say, okay, now, now what do I do about it? And how yeah. can I you know, stack just one little block to make this thing a better world. That's kind of what, what, what I'm trying to do with it. Me personally, I support uh, the A21 movement and yeah. um, that nonprofit from Christine Kane. And yeah. that one is um, a really, a, a one I, I love the most. Um, I do know that there's one in um, South Africa that deals with uh, neglected children and that's yeah. called Acres of Love. And that yeah. one I got to see personally, I got to play with the kids. I got to be a part of that. And, just some of these nonprofits out there are really trying to do some work. And like you said, it is over overpopulated violence is put up against them because of the porn industry and the trafficking industry being so huge. And 
there is it's met with violence it's met with hate protests whatever you want to call it like it's very it's it's a very touchy subject a very hard subject um but for people like you and then advocates it's hopefully it's going to change i do know because of covid it just got a lot worse yeah and uh the whole shutdown people being home yeah that was it was an outlet um i think i forget the statistic but i remember reading an article um that said like pornhub and OnlyFans became billion dollar industries overnight and but yet we can't we we spend money on stuff like that but we don't spend money on helping kids eat you know giving them clothes all that stuff and yeah man i totally i totally get it um that's see i think even in the newspapers recently we've seen a rise in like child abduction cases and with social media people trying to like you know, during COVID, there's a thing at like gas stations, watch out because people are trying to traffic women at gas stations, even in the US, there's all this stuff. People are like, that's bad. Let's stop that. Right? Let's mm-hmm. stop that. But what if I were to tell you that the, the industry behind women being abducted and trafficked is actually the pornography industry, right? Mm-hmm. Like if that is actually the driving force, how would that, because those women aren't being trafficked because some guy wants to go and jump out of an airplane and skydive with them, or because some guy wants to take them to go see an NBA basketball game together. those women are being abducted so that they can then be trafficked for sex slavery and used and abused at the expense of this industry. And I think that people, if they couldn't see these clearer connections that they would actually say, you know what? Yeah, maybe I will do a small part. Right. And two, two media outlets just to to, to kind of build upon that, that I found helpful are one is called fight the new drug because pornography is a drug and we become addicted to it. Mm -hmm. And the same way that you don't tell a drug addict, you're a horrible person for it. It's addicting. So, so what do you do? right? What do you do about that? Fight the new drug. And another one is called Exodus cry. Uh, Exodus kind of being like the, the metaphor for like, how do we help them to escape this cry? Yeah. Um, so I would suggest following those two sites because they're informative, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, I know Pornhub right now is going through a major lawsuit that the Supreme Court has ruled against where Visa, I believe, and MasterCard are now owing billions or billions might be too much, but millions of dollars because they allowed people to pay for subscriptions uh, with their credit card at those sites. And that's, why is that revolutionary? Because that was, for the first time in history, accountability. And why is yeah. the Supreme Court involved? Because there was, there was information on Pornhub that Pornhub knew was rape and sex trafficking, yet they chose to leave it up there. And people were paying to support that with their credit cards. And so that's kind of these links that now, if you can begin to string these things together, oh, I'm literally paying for someone to be raped and trafficked would yeah. you do that if you're able to see that link so clearly yeah and um i know that uh this podcast episode i will do a disclaimer before to let people know that we'll be talking about this but um the country japan and i'm gonna say this very respectfully um does have a problem with this um it is not a um well um how do i say this uh, a well journaled a well recorded problem but i do know with the long work hours and the stress that's put on people that the sex industry is actually very huge out there and a lot of people don't know that um are you will you or is that something that you will try and speak out against um, yeah while you're out there yeah with so your platform funny. yeah um I've, I've, I've become more immersed in the culture. I actually, uh, somebody tried to set me up with a woman who was married and she was willing to pay me for sexual uh, deeds. And that was the first time I was like, 
it was someone who I thought I could trust that that was just another thing. I, I, there are literal streets in Japan where you can go and almost have a menu, if you would, like you're ordering food and it's, it's culturally accepted, sadly, if you would, almost where after a marriage and, and kids, as you get older, the man no longer kind of has to be with the woman because now the kids are gone. They can kind of do whatever they want. It's and these are things that I've heard from Japanese people in listening to their stories. Again, I do speak some Japanese. My dad was born in the country. My dad is fluent. My grandma is fluent. Um, and so I think for me, the right, I'm a big advocate of not telling a new people group how they should live right away, but at first hearing stories, right? And that goes for me and anybody. I, I'm a Christian. If I meet you, I'm probably not going to tell you what you should and should not believe in. I'm going to sit down with you. And I'm going to say, hey, what's your story? And why mm. do you believe what you believe? Because the reality is we all believe in something. Even if what we believe in is I believe in nothing, right? We all believe in something. So I, I love to hear stories. And I think that's been part of my responsibility here is hearing the stories of these people. Before I begin to tell people you, you should or should not do this, hear the story, understand why things are the way they are, and then begin to offer a different option, right? And so for me, I know just the way that I treat my wife is different for these people. My wife comes to my practices. I talk about her. I say how much I love her. That's different in the Japanese culture in general, the way that men treat their wives. Um, another thing that's different is I'm inviting my teammates over sometimes for dinner and we cook for them and that's okay. And we'll eat dinner, we'll hang out. And then I love to also talk about Jesus. And I tell them, hey, you want to come over for Bible study? I'll cook you food. And some of them will come. And it, it, it's a break from that cycle of I go to work at nine, I get off at nine, and that's all that I know. You know, and I have had teammates in this apartment, in this very apartment when we're eating dinner, and husband and wife, my teammate and their wife have been just bawling in Japanese, right? And that's not me being able to speak the language. It's the connection that I think in hearing stories and then just telling people, hey, I see you, I love you, and beyond me, there's something greater than me that also sees you and loves you. And I think that's my small role that I can play in this time in Japan. Again, like I said, if it's a 20 year plan, only for me, the guy upstairs knows. And if I'm here for 20 years, I'm certainly probably gonna be more heavily involved in, in nonprofit right ways. But if um, it's this year, It'll, it'll be primarily relationship. And I think that's where it starts. Yeah. Hey man, uh, I totally understand that. And I totally get it. And I, and I highly respect you for that, man, because with your new platform, I know you get a lot more uh, attention than uh, you have been in the past couple of years. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So before, and, and even on that, just real quickly, yeah, I get messages from guys all the time saying, Hey man, I'm struggling with pornography. I want to stop, but I can't stop. I heard, I had, I had from college teammates that I played with star players that were hooking up with every girl every night that were like on Saturday, like they're like, bam, just bopping yeah. and for the man. And they'd come to me Monday morning, dude, like, I know it looks like life is great and that I want these women and this, but I feel empty, bro. And I don't know what to do about it. And so I think, again, just, the, just not good enough. Don't let that lie be the thing that you believe just because you've watched porn or you've been hurt by porn or, or, whatever it is in your life, you've hurt women, you've been hurt by women, right? You've been hurt by that job, you've hurt your job. That doesn't have to define who you are, right? You are someone who is more than that. You are loved despite all that you've been through, right? There is a forgiveness for you no matter what you do. It's what you do once you experience that forgiveness that I think defines us more than 
thinking that we're not good enough because that that is not the final chapter in your story with with all that being said and before we uh end this podcast um i just want to uh give you kind of the floor uh is there anything you want to talk about before uh i start winding down and um we end this podcast is there anything you want to say or anything you want to do you know i i feel like i spoke pretty honestly but just to maybe reiterate on the point that in the theme of this podcast, if you're going through something right now and you just feel like you can't tell anybody about it or a commonly misunderstood kind of, if you would, theory in American culture, especially is if this person really knew what I did, they wouldn't love me, right? Mm -hmm. If this person really knew that I had done that to this person or that I paid for this thing or that I cheated on this person or that I watched porn or whatever it is, if they really knew who I was, they wouldn't love me. I'm just here to say you're loved and, and, and who you are is not defined by what other people say about you. And I can say to your face right now that I love you. Right. And, and I've heard the craziest stories, bro, because I've worked in, I've worked in ministry. And so I've heard people say, I did this and I did that and I did that. And I've sat with people as they bawled. I've sat with people as they're about to kill themselves multiple times. And I just said, Hey, I love you. And I'm here for you. And that's the truth. I believe of God's love for people. No matter what you've been or who you are, you are loved by God. That's always going to be the case. So you, you, you can find rest in him. Come home. Yeah. Come home and rest in him. That's a, that's a good segue because I, I like to end everything on this podcast with affirmations towards people. Um, mm. I will say something um, because uh, I didn't talk about it in my uh, last interview, but we brought it. We talked about it off, um, off the record. Um, I, inter- I just interviewed Miss Missouri USA, who is an amazing person and all that stuff. Uh, we were talking about the Miss USA pageant. Uh, I believe last year or two years ago, uh, Miss South Africa was saying something about that she believes in cancel culture and people should be canceled, but in the same hand said that she believes in redemption culture. I think the redemption side and the forgiveness side is something that is missing so much in this culture mm-hmm. right now because we are so quick to cancel someone being like you said, hey, you messed up. Hey, you cheated. Um, I just read today about the punter for the Bills being accused of a crime. Like, we're I, – I bleed for that guy because I know that he's about to hit something that he has never experienced in his mm. life, and it's going to be extremely hard for him. Yeah. And I know everybody's human. We all make mistakes, and I'm not here to be the gavel of the judge. I'm not here to be your jury or nothing like that. I'm only here yeah. to love you. And yeah. I'm going to continue to love you as the person you are. And so all I'm saying is that with cancel culture and everybody canceling everybody, we also have to be a culture that is redemptive and that we allow second chances and we allow people to change because something we're telling people right now is, yeah, you will always be a mess up. You will always be just not good enough. You will always be um, a loser. But we have to lift them up because I'm a firm believer if you cage an animal long enough, it's either be, going to become the prey or it's going to become a predator. Mm. And if we show love all the time, that the worst end of that is not going to happen as much as long as we're loving we're giving second chances. And I know people are human and they will take advantage of those second chances. But it's just the aspect of love and loving people and allowing uh, redemptiveness to, to live and to soar within this community. Because counterculture is so huge, we forget that people are human and that everyone makes mistakes. And the same people that are pointing the fingers are also the ones that are making the mistakes. Yeah. And so um, with that being said, uh, 
I want to end this uh, episode just saying in, anybody's listening, if you're either struggling with pornography, if you're struggling with drugs, if you're struggling with um, depression, anxiety, just anything that makes you not the best you, I want to let you know that you are cared about. You are loved. There is always someone in this world that is thinking of you. They may not know you specifically. You may not know them, but they are wanting the best for you. And if any of you guys are struggling, I um, want you to reach out to someone that you know. Talk to someone that uh, may trust you. There is plenty of um, lifelines. There's plenty of phone numbers. There's plenty of ways to contact people that will listen, that will talk to you, that will... um, be there for you. But I want to let you know that at the end of the day, you are not alone. You are not in a battle alone. You are not fighting whatever you're fighting alone. Um, you just got to be able to verbalize it and talk to someone who um, cares about you and not someone that's going to tear you down. So Reese, I want to ask you, is there any affirmation? Is there anything you want to say to people that you haven't already said or that you just want to repeat again? Cause I know you've actually given a lot of affirmation towards people that maybe are listening. Yeah, no worries. Um, all I would say is keep tuning into this podcast because I think this is going to be a place where you can be encouraged um, when you feel like you are alone, when you feel like you are not good enough, right? Uh, this is a place that will be encouraging for you. Um, again, I believe in scripture that God said that he made all people beautifully and wonderfully. And so no matter what the world says about you, there's something beautiful in you and there's something wonderful in you. Let's go and figure out what that is. Let's yeah. go and bring that to life. Well said, Reese. So Reese, tell people, how can they follow you? How can they support you? Um, I'm going to put everything in the show notes. So I'm going to put your, your Instagram handle. If um, you can send me the link for uh, how to watch your games in Japan. Um, yeah. yeah. Just uh, let us know how we can support you, how we can follow you, how we can, um, you know, just be there. Yeah. I appreciate that. Uh, yeah. Like you said, uh, I'm on Instagram at Reese Foy. It's just my name, R-E-E-C-E dot F-O-Y, Reese dot Foy. Don't have a, a Twitter or a TikTok yet. We were kind of joking about that earlier, but might be making one. Uh, I do have a YouTube channel, <laughs> and I am I am trying to grow that a little bit. I, uh, you know, I've been off and on on it, but again, it's just my name, Reese Hoy, uh, on YouTube, and would appreciate uh, hitting a subscript, a subscribe there. <laughs> um, you know, but ultimately, the way that you can support me the best is just by by knowing that you are loved, by knowing that you are loved, because there's enough negativity and hate in this world, and there's a God who loves you. There's a God who's calling you home. I don't care who you are, what you've been. You are good enough, not because society says you are, but because God said that you are wonderful and beautiful. And just loving yourself would be enough for me. Awesome, man. Well said. Well, guys, thank you for tuning in to this episode of Just Not Good Enough podcast. And Reese, I, this has been a pleasure. It's really been a pleasure. And I really appreciate you being on and taking the time. I do know it is almost what 3:30 there in japan and it's 11:30 here at night so um i appreciate it man and thank you so much yeah no worries take care y'all god bless whoa guys did you listen to that interview i hope you do because if you're listening to me right now that means that you were able to make it all the way through again i apologize for all the volume mishaps and all the tapping of the pen the notes and all that stuff um just remember at the end of the day i'm just not good enough but i'm working on it i hope that you guys enjoyed this episode reese was an amazing person an amazing interview reese is 100 percent all in all the time and he also is a very passionate individual so 
please follow at Reese, R-E-E-C-E dot F-O-Y. And you can follow him, like, comment, subscribe to his YouTube channel under Reese Foy as well. And also, guys, don't forget, we have a giveaway. Halle Coaching Co. If you follow them at Halle Coaching Co. on Instagram, and that is at H-A-L-E-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot C-O. And you also follow me at the J-N-G-E podcast. And we will be picking a winner at the end of the week. And to sweeten the deal, if you made it this far, I will also include a sports jersey of your choice. So, please follow the Holly Coaching Co. And follow me at the Just Not Good Enough Podcast on Instagram. Please also go on iTunes and give us five-star review as I'm trying to build this into something that's going to help not only you, but everyone else and anybody that is ever going through some hard times and they feel like they're just not good enough. As always, I just want to let you know that you are loved. You are worthy. Your life is meant for so much. And all I can tell you is don't give up. Don't give in. Hard days are here. Hard days are around. But if you have something to look forward to, if you have something to listen to, something that's going to make you motivated to continue, all I can say is no matter how bad you feel of just not being good enough, I want you to know you are good enough. And again, there is always someone out there that is thinking about you and that is hoping for the best. You are loved. You are worthy. And I hope you have a wonderful day.